Please be seated. Thank you, music team. I want to invite you now, if you would, to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. a quick word of welcome. I know we're already halfway through our service already, but uh, thank you for being here today. It is so good to see you. Those visiting with us, those who may have been gone for some time, those working through health issues, I know there are several in our body that are working through health issues, and please know we are praying for you. We love you, but thank you so much for coming today, joining us in corporate worship, and I pray that as we open God's word now, that your heart would truly be encouraged. Today will not be a long study, but you know how much, I know how much you believe that. (laughs) Uh, It's not designed to be a long study in the Word today, but an extremely, extremely practical, appropriate passage uh, for our here and now. This is Theology with Shoes On. This is living out the gospel of Jesus Christ in the body of Christ. So, uh, obviously today we'll be taking a break from our formal study through Romans, and we will be in this book, Ephesians. If you remember uh, last Body Life service, so it was exactly two months ago. I mean, some of us can't remember two hours ago. (laughs) But if you remember back two months ago, we were also in the book of Ephesians and also in Ephesians 4. But we were towards the end of this chapter middle to the end of this chapter. Uh, We were in verses 11 through 16, and I'm not going to go back through and preach that and talk of that, teach that, but I will reference our key idea from the last part of this book. Here it is. God's leaders are to equip God's people for God's work. Do you remember that equation we talked about two months ago? God's leaders are to equip God's people for God's work, all right? So The work of the ministry does not rest simply on the shoulders of the elders and the deacons and the ministry directors at Cross Point Community Church. We, as a body, put in effort. We serve. Uh, The edification of the body in love, that is what we all do. And as leaders, we are called to do this. Equip the saints for the work of ministry. Build up the body of Christ. And so we take that very seriously. Here as an elder team, sure we have a lot to work on, but that is regularly in our discussion, in our prayers, that we see the body of Christ built up in love. But today we are in the first three verses of this chapter. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and we will be focusing today on our responsibility in the work of the ministry to guard church unity. What a topic. In Body Life Service today, we want to talk about this. What do we do? What are we doing? What are you doing to guard church unity? To keep, as we'll see in just a minute, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Before we even do that, just just to make this practical. 
even some discussion I had prior to the service, discussion the last couple weeks. How many of you have felt, and you don't need to raise your hand because that will be the most Pentecostal service we've ever had. Um, how many of you the last year and a half, since March of 2019, I mean, if you were honest, how many of you just felt like you're under attack? The life that you knew two years ago, and, and in no way am I complaining because God has us here for such a time as this. God has us here on this planet in this time for a reason. So in no way am I disparaging that fact, but I am trying to be incredibly practical, practical about what's going on in our minds and our thoughts, just like Grant was talking a couple weeks ago. How, how many of you just feel under attack? I mean, it's like we're in this, like, this sci-fi movie that won't stop. And every day you get up, like you were referencing, every day you get up and like, what's next? <laughs> what is happening? And if you dare turn on the news, which maybe you shouldn't, <laughs> you, you see this stuff and you're like, oh, boy. If it's not a sci-fi movie, it definitely is a soap opera. <laughs> what's next? I mean, we're talking about attacks in our lives. I mean, not just physically. What we're talking about, some of you have gone through some very deep waters physically the last year and a half. And it's not just the COVID stuff. I mean, there's been a number of us in this body that have worked through that by God's grace, and some, as we know, have not made it to the other end of it. But it's not just the sickness. There's other stuff happening. The world around us wants to focus on what's happening physically. I'm telling you, the body of Christ is under attack spiritually, emotionally. There's something going on inside where the world around us wants to say, just focus on not getting sick and, and just do what you can to, and, and however you fall on this issue, and we'll address it in brief today to, to protect yourself from this sickness. Well, that's true. Maybe you need to do that as a person. That, that's on you. But here's the fact that there's more going on than an attack physically. It's spiritually. It's emotional. How many of you in the, in the middle of your day at times last year, year and a half have just broken down in tears? Thinking, what's going on? Physically. Emotionally. Spiritually. Anxiety and anxiousness about the future fears financially i mean some of you had to make some financial decisions this last year that you never thought you would have to make the last 10 15 20 years of preparation for what's next and potential retirement and all of this stuff all of that shaken to the core and you feel like you bit are a bit under attack i want to vent i want to kind of Bring that personal feeling that you may have been going through this last year and bring it to the body of Christ. The discussions we've had as an elder team. It's not just you personally. It's not just your family that is under attack. My brothers and sisters in Christ the last year and a half talking about this in Body Life Sunday, I have felt in such a real way that the church is under attack. The body of Christ. The unity of the body. Like one barrage of gunfire after another. 
like one wave of discouragement after another. Like we're living in, yes, this like sci-fi type movie, this soap opera drama sometimes. It's like, what next? What's the next email, the next phone call? What's happening in the body of Christ? This is real. And the attacks do come from outside, but I'm going to tell you, if we look at the scriptures, we're going to find that the attacks also come from inside. And I'm not just talking about the doctrinal struggles that we go through. Very practically, we struggle with what we're going to talk about today in Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 3, the unity of the body. Through the mandates, through the being voluntold, <laughs> through the financial struggles, the tension that is created in the body of Christ and then all of a sudden we don't realize it but instead of aiming our guns towards the world, the flesh and the devil guess who's on the end of our crosshairs my brother or my sister in Christ my friends I believe that's what Paul's addressing in Ephesians chapter 4 Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 3 as we talked about last time the church of Ephesus was a very special church to the, to the apostle Paul Personally, he spent at least three years helping to pastor this church. And one of the reasons he needed to be there in person because this was a messed up community, Ephesus was. It was a church that was planted in a really messed up, broken community. I mean, you read through some of the background of the context, the, the culture of Ephesus, and you just shake your head thinking, whoa, that church was there? So Paul personally spent at least three years of his life with the church, and then after he left, he took one of his esteemed sons in the ministry. We're talking about Timothy and Silas, right? Uh, Titus, sorry, Titus. He took Timothy and says, Timothy, you stay. <laughs> Can you imagine being Timothy? <laughs> Thanks, Paul. You put me here? Well, then Paul, through the Spirit, I love this because when you read the book of Ephesians, and, and honestly, the book of Ephesians is almost like a summarized view of the book of Romans. So we take the mass of 16 chapters in Romans, squeeze it down into five and six chapters in Ephesians, and you find a lot of the same things. But as you look through the, the book of Ephesians, Paul takes the first three chapters and just dials in hardcore to the theology of the church. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If you think you're all that, let re me remind you, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, that you're not. Why? Because you're dead in your trespasses and sins. And it is only the quickening of the Holy Spirit that has brought you through Jesus Christ into relationship with God the Father. That is Ephesians 1 through 3. But then there is this wonderful transition in this book from chapters 1 through 3 to chapters 4 through 6. And it gets real practical. Real practical. How does theology wear shoes? Well, Paul tells us that in chapters 4 through 6. And in chapters 4 through 6, how does Paul start this entire very endearing section? He starts it by pointing out this key truth that we will walk through today. As they daily live out the gospel, God's people are to humbly and diligently guard church unity. 
of, of all the things Paul could have said as he starts into this practical aspect, this practical part of the book of Ephesians, he starts with urging them with all you have to guard the unity of the body of Christ. So let's see this unfold by reading verses 1 through 3. Would you look with me at verses 1 through 3? It's on the screen. It's, uh, I believe, on your handout there or in your Bible or on your device. Verse 1, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk worthy, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So what is this? This is a genuine plea followed by a necessary mindset, followed by, as you look at the language, two participles that actually function like imperatives, telling us how to see this happen by God's grace. So what we're going to do today, like I said, not going to be super deep, but very practical. I want us to start with just simply looking at the primary urge, the primary plea of the Apostle Paul. Here it is, the sincere plea, the genuine plea. Paul says this in verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner of or for the Lord, urge you. Hey, this is very intentional wording by the Apostle Paul. I mean, what is the Apostle Paul essentially doing here? He is telling this church, I am not foreign to the struggles that you're going through. Okay, I am writing this from prison. Paul knows a thing or two about trials and tribulation and attacks and being on guard. That is what he's talking about. And by the way, when he's in prison, what is keeping him from the outside world? Guards. Chains. Okay, I'm going to show you at the end of this how he uses that same terminology, guard, in these three verses. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. He has an urgent plea for this church he loves. And what is the urgent plea? The urgent plea is this, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And to start off, clearly this is not works-oriented salvation. I mean, you'd have to take the first three chapters out of the book if that was the case. <laughs> we start in chapters 1 to 3 before we get to chapter 4. But what then does this mean? He, he's urging them to walk in a worthy manner. It means this. Make your lifestyle match your claim. Make what you do match who you are. Walk in a worthy manner. I remember occasions, especially out on Shasta Lake, listening to my Grandpa Blue, who passed two months ago. Sitting on that boat with him, fishing for fish that we only caught a couple, but it was a great time. The better part of the entire adventure was hearing him talk of God's grace. And over and over he, again, he would tell me and Hannah and whoever else was around him at the time, 
Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. That's it. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk's always going to talk louder than your talk talks. And that's what Paul's saying here. Walk in a manner worthy to your calling. Simply, you have been called into salvation through the sovereign hand of a God. The God of all creation who has created and sustained all life. And He has called you. So act like it. You have been intimately made a participant in the gospel. And this gospel is saturated in the selfless, submissive, and loving ministry of Jesus Christ. Now act like it. That's what Paul's saying here. And by the way, my brothers and sisters in Christ, this is not abnormal to our way of thinking, okay? How we need to think about this walk in a worthy manner. Just think, if, if you dare turn on the news, you're always interrupted about 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in, if you're lucky, with like 3,000 commercials. And you're just waiting to get the news, and you got to get this commercial, and this commercial, and this commercial. All of these commercials are, are putting a product forth, and they're trying to match it with an image. You understand, it's not you know, rocket science or anything. They're trying to put the best foot forward, okay? They're trying to create an image that would match this product. So if you think about this, I mean, honestly, you're not going to have some, like, midlife, hundred-pound, you know, tech geek standing on this commercial holding up this uh, muscle-enhancing drink. You need this. It really works for me. You're going to look at that, and you're going to be like, no, it didn't. <laughs> you're fooling yourself, dude. You're not going to see a five-hour energy drink. I mean, you've watched those five-hour energy drinks. Those guys are, like, ready to jump out the roof. And they're like, ah, ramped. And you're like, dude, chill, chill down a bit. You're not going to have some groggy teenager that looked like he just got out of hibernation standing there with his hair all messed up, holding up a five-hour energy drink saying, yeah, this, this worked for me. The claim doesn't match the reality. You're not going to have the best razor in the world in the hands of a guy that hasn't shaved in ten years. You understand where we're going with this. I mean, that is... That is exactly what Paul is saying here. Let your, very clearly, let your lifestyle match your claim. Walk in a worthy manner. We're not going to be able to adequately promote the gospel of Jesus Christ if we are acting like the self-consumed, self-promoting, self-saturating world. Simply enough. If you claim the selfless love of Jesus Christ that has saved your souls, then act like it. That's how Paul starts off the urge. That's his plea. And very practically, then he goes to the necessary mindset. And this is where we go in the scriptures constantly. He doesn't leave us without a mindset because it's not all about figuring out how to live on the outside. It's about what God's doing in your heart and your mind. That's where it starts. What's God doing to renew your mind? And how do we see the mind renewal happen here? Well, he shares this mindset. He says this, do this with all humility. Paul, why did you have to put that in there? Humility and gentleness with patience. 
let that sink in for a minute. This is, this is not saying that there's not a single time in the life of a believer when military calls or, or, or you have to stand up for, for your family where you just become some pacifist that doesn't do anything like that. No, there are times like this. But in the body of Christ, what is the mindset that we are to embrace with everything we have? Here it is, with the humility and gentleness and patience of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. By the way, why the spiritual graces of humility and gentleness and patience? Well, here's why I believe. is because in tense situations, that is the last thing on our minds. That is not normal to the inclinations of our natural old man. It's just when we're squeezed to just put on this patience and endurance and humility. What do we want to do? Oh, yeah! How dare you! Paul says the mindset of the body of Christ is this. Humility, gentleness, patience. How then is this practically lived out in the body of Christ as we consider our brothers and sisters of Christ sitting in this room right here, right now? Here's how Paul says it. This practical, spirit-driven effort, this goal, this objective. Here it is. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. First phrase there, or first word, bearing. What a wonderful and horrific word at the same time. My friends, this means putting up with people in the body of Christ. <laughs> it means to put up with. It means to endure. It means to tolerate. Through the love of Christ and the empowerment of the Spirit, we are to endure those people in the body that really bother us. They frustrate us. The quiet ones that you can't hear, and the loud ones that won't shut up. The happy ones and the sad ones. The ones that have personality oozing all over the place, and the ones that sit there and you have to encourage them to do everything. There, is going, there are always going to be those in the body of Christ that don't have the same personality that you do. They don't have the same interests that you do. They don't have the same passions that you do, other than one, that's the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that's where Paul is going here. There's going to be differences. And you know what? Clearly, Colossians 3.13 mirrors this verse. Paul says, bearing with one another in love. It's the love of Jesus Christ. You cannot do this on your own. That's why we consider this a spirit-driven effort. In fact, if you go to Galatians chapter 5, you'll find these very appropriate words that the fruit of the Spirit is. What's the first fruit mentioned? Love. What is the fruit that the Spirit's bearing in our lives? It is a sacrificial love that goes beyond feeling to choice. Paul says here, bearing with one another in love, and then this. This is where we're headed. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This word eager, it means quick to do something. Get it done. It means take pains even to get it done. 
it means to make every effort possible. That's what Paul's saying here. That's what this word means. If you track this word through the New Testament, it means make every effort possible to get this done. Be diligent with something. And what are we to be diligent with in the body of Christ? Here it is. Be diligent to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That word maintain means to watch over. This goes in line with the key idea of the day. It means to be on guard over. Over what? Over the unity that the Holy Spirit brings, a unity that binds every saved person in a peace that only God can give. Maintain that. Guard that with all you got. Take special pains to guard the unity of the body of Christ. Okay, this word maintain, in our minds, I mean, so when I was younger, I mean, it was in junior high, I was one of those entrepreneurial little little dudes that wanted to make money. So I went and handed out flyers. Andrew's or, or Scott's Lawn Maintenance Company or something like that, you know. Passed out all these main, lawn maintenance flyers and put me through college. <laughs> it went from 7th and 8th grade to mowing some neighbor's yards and then got a truck. And, man, we, were, we mowed so much grass. I, I, I still somehow love the smell of grass, but we mowed so much grass every day. You're cutting and cutting and maintaining. And so we were known as the lawn maintenance company or whatever. It was great. This word is not the same, though. To maintain the lawn, you're just trimming it down and keeping it looking nice. That is not this word. I'm going to tell you what this word maintain is. That is, I mean, about six months ago, we got these two little kittens, uh, it was Hannah's birthday, I think, or something like that. Um, black cats, jet black cats in our property. Uh, and these things, man, they've been developing. And, and I'm going to tell you what maintain is, what they do every single day behind the stones in my yard. That mole pokes its head up, boom! I can't tell you, I mean, my dog, who is supposed to be a hunting dog, he sleeps for like 23 out of 25, four hours, 24 hours in a day. These cats are on guard. They're waiting. I watched them this week. They stalk squirrels. They've killed squirrels. Those ground squirrels, they show up in my backyard, and they're just chewing on them, you know. That is, so that's kind of an awful illustration. Nonetheless, you get the point. That is the maintain of this passage. It's not just keeping it looking clean and, and nice. It is to guard it with all you have. As a body of Christ, we don't just keep smiles on our faces when we know that our hearts are being torn out through disunity. No, we go deeper and we guard with all we have the unity of the, body, of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So we're going to close out this time uh, just thinking and praying this week the different interactions I've had in different classes and different notes I've taken through the years and take, took some time to kind of summarize in some basic thoughts basic causes for disunity so this is a very practical time okay, if we are to guard the unity of the body what is going to attack that I'm going to take about five, five minutes or so maybe ten to just talk through these and and we can take them to note. This is, these are things that cause disunity in the body. First one, direct disobedience to God's word. 
talking about disobeying, disobedience to God's clear directives and scriptures. And the fact is this, disobedience will always bring conflict in the body of Christ, as it should. Some people think that one of the most ugly parts of church is what's known as church discipline. Well, certainly it's been abused. I'm going to tell you, if you track through what the scripture says about church discipline, it is one of the most gracious, loving things that the body of Christ could ever do. It's coming to someone that's disobeyed God's word and said, no, we've covenanted with you that you walk in the ways of the Lord and we're going to do whatever we can to encourage you to covenant. And if there's willful disobedience, it's saying we are going to have to discipline you from this congregation. And what is the whole purpose of all of that? To restore such a brother in the spirit of meekness. It's a restorative purpose. But the fact of the matter is this. If you want a quick path to disunity in the body of Christ, then keep on disobeying God. What is going to draw rifts in the body of Christ is when we take God's word and we intentionally choose to disobey what God clearly says in the word of God. More definitely could be saying, said about this, but when God says something, brothers and sisters in Christ, he's serious. It's no joke when God says, don't forsake the gathering yourselves together. That's, that's in the Bible. It's no joke when God says, do all things without complaining and arguing, even on social media. It's no joke. These are things we take serious in the body of Christ. It's no joke when, we, when the scripture says, don't let corrupting communication come out of your mouth. That's not a joke. One of the easiest ways to bring disunity in the body of Christ is to disobey God. It's no joke when God Almighty in his holy scripture says, abstain from sexual activity that is outside of marriage. God's serious about this. All right. Here's another one. Basic causes of disunity in the body of Christ, number two, and I won't spend a ton of time on this, but this is promotion of personal preferences over biblical precepts. Personal preferences are practical life liberties that are not directly addressed in scriptures. This is what some know as gray issues, although if we, as we travel into Romans 14, we're going to see that in each of our individual lives, we should not have gray issues. We have, ought to have black and white issues in our lives. Be fully convinced in your own mind, but as you're fully convinced in your own mind, you're gracious. You're kind. We're talking about the Reformation today. This is Tagged back to the German reformer, theologian, Rupertus Maldinius, who says this, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. That is the body of Christ. There's What I'm talking about here, when I'm talking about preferences, is not the clear doctrines of the word of God. There's no flexibility with that. You can't tamper with doctrine. I mean, it's, it's not what you think and what I think. It's what God says. What I'm talking about preferences is when you 
act a certain way in your life and you've embraced a certain conviction in your own life and now you're expecting every single one that you rub shoulders with to embrace the exact same preference that you do. There's something in the scripture called Christian liberty, which we'll get at when we get to Romans 14. But if you want to break down, if, if you want to break down church unity super fast, you know how to do it? Take your preference and promote it to everyone you come into contact with. And then look down at them if they don't embrace your particular preference. There's another one. Unbridled personalities. <laughs> Unrestrained, unguarded. Essentially this. And, and, and I'm refusing, <laughs> in my own mind, I think back to churches in the past that I've been part of, and you just shake your head. And, and you see someone come, and you know, you, you just watch. If you just sit back and you watch, and people just like like the Red Sea parts. They don't want to be around that person. Why? Because this person oozes with personality, but the personality is rude. And no one wants to talk to them. And they're like, why doesn't anybody want to talk to me? Well, the fact of the matter is, you cannot excuse rudeness on your personality. Very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we find these words. Love will not seek its own, will not behave itself unseemly. That behave itself unseemly, some of your translations will actually say it, will not act rude. <laughs> Just because you have an opinion and you love your opinion and you promote your opinion does not give you an excuse to be rude and to walk over people in the body of Christ. That is what's going to destroy unity in the body of Christ. So if we're going to be on guard in a gracious, loving way to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, we've got to keep check of our personalities. Let your speech be seasoned with grace. All, uh, let your speech be with grace. Seasoned with salt is what Paul says. Okay, another quick one. Unrealistic ministry expectations. This is so often what brings, and, and again, I say this, this is very practical, isn't it? All of you are probably in your minds going back to church ministries, and you're like, yep, I saw that happen. These are things we are to be on guard for. This is a body life church, church service. You didn't know you were coming for this today, did you? Unrealistic ministry expectation. This is not talking about the biblical expectation for the church to hold strong to doctrine. Again, that's not this discussion. This is personal persuasions about ministry function that are expected to be immediately embraced by all membership and leadership. I have this idea, so everybody better be on the same page with me. Now! <laughs> it is do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and while you're at it, do this too. And if you don't, I'm going to do whatever I can to get it done my way. By the way, what does the scripture say about the root of that mentality? It's pride. This thing in my way and my agenda trumps everyone else. There's certainly things we need to pursue with all we've got. And if I can just speak openly, I mean, our church, we're, we're, we have a lot of, we have a long ways to go. I mean, when it comes to reaching out to our community, when it comes, I mean, Jim has gone crazy with the mercy ministry stuff. I mean, the body of Christ trying to reach out through this time of COVID. I mean, there's a lot happening here. I mean, there's so much we need to do. I mean, as, as my brother Bill and, and, and uh, Chuck and the mission teams remind us, there's so much we need to do when it comes to missions. 
Well, what does it take? It takes being patient in God's plan. What's going to cause disunity in the body of Christ? It's going to be unrealistic ministry expectations. It has to help him happen now and my way. And that works into the, num- the fifth observation of basic tr- causes of disunity. Impatience with God's people. Why don't you guys just grow in Christ yesterday? What's your problem? I don't know. I'm being a bit facetious here. But why isn't anybody as passionate about growing in service as I am? Come on, people. Get your act together. My friends, if we want to destroy the unity of the body, we're not talking about what Paul clearly tells us to do. To encourage one another to love and good works. That's part of this. But you know there's a difference from, from encouraging one another to love and good works to going around and saying, what's everybody's problem? Why don't you love Jesus as much as I do? And it quickly can turn into that if we're not guarding the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Please understand that everything I just said is from a pastoral heart of care and love, and I, am not, I did not sit here this week and think, oh yeah, this person needs this. That person needs this. This is speaking open, openly to observations, what has broken unity in the body of Christ through reading and through things I've observed in the past. So what? Let me just bring this to a head. Ask yourself this today. Am I living out the gospel by humbly and diligently guarding church unity? How do you walk in a manner worthy of the gospel? It is by diligently guarding the unity of the body of Christ. So how are you doing with that? We're going to commit this to the Lord in prayer in just a few brief minutes. But as is indicative of our body life service, I'm only going to take about two more hours and discuss every one of these issues. No, they will be very summarized. I want us to talk just briefly on our ministry structure. We've structured a ministry, as we talked two months ago, of um, five basic aspects of our ministry. Corporate worship ministry, teaching ministry, relational ministry, serving ministry, and administration ministry. The corporate worship ministry is what you come to on Sunday morning as we gather together. I don't have much to update by way of corporate ministry, uh, worship ministry, other than this. A couple quick things. Praise God. I mean, I, I couldn't get, I, mean, I, can't, I couldn't wait to get to Romans chapter 6. <laughs> I know there's a lot to talk about. The last three weeks, I'm like, ah, yeah, but we got to get to Romans chapter 6. Come back next week. We're going to continue on Romans chapter 6, and guess what's coming next month, brothers and sisters in Christ? Incarnation season. Christmas season. We're talking about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ coming to earth to save our souls. So we're going to take some time worshiping in regard to Christmas, start singing some Christmas songs, one of my favorite times of the year. Um, A couple quick things, though, this. Uh, There is, especially through um, this season, there's a lot of parents that have children down here, and they're wonderful. We love having your children in here, but I know sometimes it taxes the parents pretty hard. They go home exhausted, and what comes to mind often is we are never, ever, ever, ever going to do that again. Well, we understand that uh, as an elder team. We try to understand that. I mean, we're going to try to do something. I know several people, sorry those of you up in the grandstands, 
Um, you love migrating up there, and that's wonderful. But we're going to actually, in the next month or so, especially when we get closer to Christmas time and families will be more here, we're actually going to start making that a little bit more exclusive to parents with active children. <laughs> this is a place where parents can go. They can still sit in in the service, but they're not on edge about their kid doing laps around the chairs. All right? There's going to be opportunities for them, possibly with some tables, to draw. So just a heads up, like, we're going to start trying to draw people back down to the main auditorium uh, for our worship and leave that for some of our very active kids. There's a cry room over there. That is going to be more of what the balcony is going to be designed for. And then we will pray God's grace as the sound team tries to do their job. Um, teaching ministry, if we kind of focus for a minute on that. Praise God for the conference we just had. Matt and uh, Chuck lining that up, the in-between conference. What a encouragement that was to my heart. In the teaching ministry, would you pray specifically for this? We are diligently looking for a pastor of youth for Cross Point Community Church. This has been ongoing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to candy coat this. People don't want to move to California right now. <laughs> but we're praying it's going to be God's clear call on Jonah to come to Nineveh. And so would you continue to pray uh, as we look for a youth pastor? We need more Sunday morning volunteers in our nursery and toddlers. Some of them have walked away, uh, have, have felt the need to step away from the t nursery and toddler ministry. And Daniel's like, Pastor Andrew, would you please just mention we need some more, more workers. So, yes, that's a teaching ministry. It's more in line with the serving ministry. But we do, in fact, need some more nursery and toddler workers. In relation to relational ministry, this is our small groups, our life groups, our, our groups that meet through the week, including our youth group and children's ministry. I would just encourage this. Keep finding a place to plug in, or places, plural, to plug in. Sit in, uh, sit in studies. Find a prayer group. Um, one of my favorite times of the week right now is between 9.30 and 10 on Sunday morning when we gather, just a handful of us over in room 102, I think it is, with the young adults, and we pray. Guess what? Today, that group of young adults prayed for you all. We pray for their needs, and we pray for the body of Christ. If you're a young adult, relatively speaking, from like 18 to um, 80, we're young at heart in this church, no, uh, 18 to 30, 35, then you are more than welcome to come join us, and it is a time of prayer and support from 9.30 to 10 on Sunday mornings uh, over in 102. Then this serving ministry um, we have a harvest party today, and there's a lot of setup that needs to happen. So if you can practically serve, see Jim or Sandy. She's like, no, don't see me. No, see Sandy. See someone that will help you, uh, particularly Jim, on, on that one, and, and will help direct you to how we can help with that. And then I have a huge praise. This in regard to administrative ministry, buildings and grounds, We've been praying for the last couple months, and you all have sacrificially given towards this. Praise God that our goal was met when it came to uh, the building needs and the giving of that. Would you praise God with me about that need being met? People were on the roof even this week because we do not want that water to join us in the inside of the ark. Keep it on the outside of the ark. Um, so we praise God for some of those necessary repairs that are going to be made. And would you keep this in prayer? We'll share more of this in the future. As an elder team, uh, we're really praying that God would give us grace to know how to manage best the assets that he's given us here. 
and so we're praying about different things on on the property and uh, how we can best use one side of the ministry property to help build the other side of the ministry property and and i simply say that without details asking you to please just pray that we have wisdom uh through these especially this next year of planning uh, on our church property we're going to do two more quick things in this body life service i'm going to ask grant would you come up every month or so we want to have just a brief moment for missions missions is such an important thing it's from the heartbeat of our lord and savior jesus christ would you share a bit with us grant